I think some of you have been like trying to run from the goodness of God, maybe, but it's not going to work. His, the goodness, he, you're here this morning and I want you to know God is pursuing you. He's actually after you. And he's after your heart. And uh, that was just, that's such a, we'll have to do that song more. I'll get that into rotation. See if I can talk to the right people to make that part of the worship, uh, <laughs> worship repertoire. Good morning, family. Um, man, it's beautiful outside. There's super blooms and everything's green and butterflies are splattering on my windshield when I drive. It's fantastic. <laughs> Did anyone else hit a butterfly in the past? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I feel like it's still some bad horror movie that's waiting to happen. Like, the butterflies are cute now, but I give it a few more days, and the big mother butterfly is going to come, and it's going to turn into a disaster, right? It's, we're, we're blessed. We are, we are blessed. Well, we've been talking about how we are positioned in high places, right, in prayer. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue that series. I want us to read this verse together, Ephesians 2. Four through six. We should know it by now. If you don't, maybe you haven't been coming the past few weeks, but we're getting this ingrained in our hearts and our minds. If you haven't been coming the past few weeks, by the way, glad you're here this morning. Glad you joined us. But this is the, the core scripture that we've been going over. It's Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. And it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we're taking this verse and we're looking at this from a perspective of prayer. How am I positioned in a high place in prayer? And man, it's been a good series. It's been a challenging series. Our growth groups have been really, really good. We've engaged a lot on this stuff. Um, if you're in a growth group, you probably have, this, have seen the same. If you're not, I encourage you to get in a growth group as we talk through and think through a lot of these things we're talking about on Sunday mornings. But it's been, it's, it's been really eye-opening in terms of prayer. We talked about the first week, the most important thing in prayer, right, which is to get in the room and shut the door, right, and get build relationship with God, first and foremost. That's what prayer is. And we talked about our relationship to God as our Father, as Daddy God. You guys remember that? And, and then we talked about spirit-led prayers, praying according to the will of God and aligned with the Spirit of God and being watchful. And we talked about persistent prayer, about not giving up, about pressing through. And this week we're going to continue in the vein of prayer, and I want to talk to you about this, about the power of intercession, intercessory prayer, okay? You know, I was thinking of, of people in the Bible who had a privileged place with God, and there's a lot of them, but I was trying to think of a good example, and the, the first one that came to my mind was Moses in the Old Testament. Raise a show of hands if you know who Moses, if you've at least heard of Moses. Good. All right. We're in good shape. You know, is it, look what Exodus 33.9 says. It says, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. And so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I mean, is that incredible? Just, just picture, picture Moses face to face with God just talking as with a friend. It's amazing, right? Well, I have news for you that we'll get to later, but you and I are actually in a more privileged place than even that. 
and we'll go into that. But, but you look at this Old Testament example of Moses speaking face-to-face with God. It says he was a friend of God. Think about the journey of Moses, right? Think about what you, like when you watched Prince of Egypt, the Disney movie, all that stuff that happened, right? It was a good recounting. Um, the Bible's good too, but the Prince of Egypt is also a good source of information. Um, I'm joking. So you think about Moses who, from birth, he was set apart. He was protected, right? He was raised in Pharaoh's court. He saw the oppression of his people. And he, he left the land. He was exiled. And he came back because God had a meeting with him and said, Moses, you are going to go free my people from bondage, right? And this relationship of trust, he's, and Moses says no, and God says yes. And Moses says no, and God says yes. I'm going to send Aaron with you. And they go through this whole thing. And he goes to the land of Egypt, right? And we go through these ten plagues, and Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Heart is hardened. Hardened, yeah. And, um, and these ten plagues hit the land of, of Egypt and the Passover. And the people of, the people of Israel are, are freed, right? With a hard heart, Pharaoh freed them. And, and then, you know, that's just the beginning of the story because now Moses has inherited this people that, well, the Bible calls them stiff-necked, right? That's a nice way to put it. But he's got this group of people now, and he's like, God, I, what, why'd you give me these people? And so this journey starts, right, across the Red Sea into the wilderness to the land of promise that God gave them, right? Most of you are probably familiar with the story. And this relationship with, Mo, with God and Moses developing and, and Moses becoming a friend of God And so we come to Exodus 33 where a lot of this stuff has taken place and we see that face-to-face as a friend, Moses speaks to God. Now, what a place of privilege. Here's what I want you to see. What is it then that Moses does with this high place of privilege with God? What is it that that he uses that for? What does he do with it? Well, let me read you a couple stories. Exodus 32, 9. The context here is this. Moses has gone up on the mountain. God has given him tablets that had what on them? You guys know? The Ten Commandments. Watch that movie too. Um, The Ten Commandments. He comes down the mountain. What does he find? He finds a gold calf. He he finds Aaron going, I don't know what happened. They gave me the gold. I threw it in the fire and this calf came out. And we just thought it was good to worship it. Right? (laughs) Kind of like denying that he had any part in it. And Moses gets mad. But... This is what God says to Moses in that context, okay? Exodus 32, 9. The Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people. Indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. And then Moses said, yeah, God, sounds good. No, I'm just kidding. And then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God, pleaded and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power? And a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do. So that's kind of crazy. God says, leave me alone. I'm going to wipe them out. You're going to be a great nation. Moses says, God, don't do that. And God says, okay, I'm not going to do it. Turn to Numbers 14.11 or follow along with us. The context here is this. Israel's made it through to the land of Canaan, and they have sent, Moses has sent the spies into the land. You guys remember the story? And what did the spies come back and say? Oh, they're big. They're scary. They're going to, they're going to hurt us. We're scared, right? And the two guys, 
who had courage, Joshua and Caleb. The, the people were so afraid that when Joshua and Caleb tried to actually speak faith, they were like, let's stone them. That, that was their response. Stone the guys who have faith to believe we can do this. We don't want any of that. We just want to live in fear. And in that context, God says this to Moses. How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Sound familiar? It's like God really was into, hey, Moses, let's, just, let's wipe these guys out make you a nation. And Moses said, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people. That you, Lord, are seen face to face. And your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations will have heard your fame and will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to them, he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying the Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, on the children to the third and fourth generation. So pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. So these are different stories, by the way. They're not the same recounting, but they're two stories that have the same plot line. And it's, <laughs> it's pretty amazing if you think about God ready to judge and destroy the people of Israel and one man, Moses, who pleads with God and says, no, God, don't do it. Why would you do that? You said this. You promised us this. Why would you let the nation speak of you destroying your people? And God says, okay, I won't do it. It's a telling story. You have the people of God. You have God. And in the middle, you have this man, Moses. And what is he doing? He's interceding. He's interceding. It's a Latin word. Inter means between. Sedir means to go. And he's going between God and the people, because the people really need to go between you guys. <laughs> they, 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 I mean, they were on the verge of being wiped out. But one man, one man what? He prayed, he interceded, he pleaded with God and changed the course of history for that nation. Right? That's what we read. That's what the Bible says. The Lord says, I have pardoned according to your word. Okay, you said it, Moses. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pardon. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I want you to see that Moses, one of the most one of the people with the most privileged place with God used his place, not for his own benefit. He didn't say, God, yeah, let's make me a nation. That's a solid plan. Get rid of, the other, get rid of Israel. Give me a new group of people. <laughs> Those ones are they're pretty bad. No. He used his place of privilege to benefit others as an intercessor. You guys are going to start to see how this comes together. That is actually the role of every one of us as believers. Your role in prayer in a privileged place is to use your place of privilege on behalf of other people who don't have that place. You and I are intercessors. It is part and parcel to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, is to intercede. We're go-betweens. And this is a core competency. It's a core practice. It's a core value. It should be a core part of your daily walk with God to get on your knees on behalf of other people and plead with God for them. I don't know if you've, if you've seen yourself that way, but... If you call yourself a child and a follower of God, that is what you are to do. And that's the model Moses is giving us here in the Old Testament. So I want to, to walk you through a few points this morning. 
I'm trying to go quick, but I want to walk you through what I see here and how you and I can intercede effectively. Okay, how, can, how then can we be effective at this intercessory prayer, right, like Moses obviously was? I mean, that's pretty good, two for two, when God's going to destroy a nation and you tell him not to and he doesn't. It's a good, good record. So let's look at how we intercede effectively, okay? Number one is this. First, got to start with understanding my position. And this is exactly what we've been talking about for the past three, four weeks, isn't it? Positioned in what? High places, right? Positioned in high places. I need to understand and grasp exactly my position with God, okay? There's two things I want to touch on. The first one comes from 1 Peter 2.9, and it says, many of you know this verse. It says, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal, what is it? Priesthood. A holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, some of us maybe get this idea, well, who am I to even approach God, right? We've even had some, in my growth group, we've had some discussion about this. Like, I I feel, I almost feel like I can't even, I'm not able to approach God sometimes, or I feel like bad about asking God for so many things. Listen, your role is a a priest. Your job is to go to God and ask him for things, and and on behalf of people. That's what we are called to do. We're We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. We don't have time to go into a study of what the priesthood entails, but Suffice it to say this, that in the Old Testament, the priest was the designated person who went to God for the people. He offered sacrifices to atone for their sins. He directly interacted with God because the other people could not. Jesus Christ came and did away with all of that. We say amen to that, right? All of it gone. Hebrews says he's the high priest. Once and for all, it's done. So the office of priest went by the wayside. The role of priest did not. The role of priest is what we now have. We are now in the position because we have come to Christ Jesus in that place of privilege to go to God on behalf of people. Yeah. And they need it, guys. They don't even know, some of them, that they need it. And we go. We are, we're a priesthood, and that is, our, that is your role as a follower of Christ. In fact, the Bible says of Jesus that he intercedes for us still. If he's still interceding, we should probably be interceding as well, right? Following his model. You know what's even better than just being a priest, though? Is this, John 1:12. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become what? Children of God. To those who believe his name. If you've believed his name, you're a child of God. You're a son and daughter of God. Not just a priest, but actually a a child of God. That's the place of privilege we're in. We, t- we unpacked that a little bit a few weeks back. Like I said, if you want to go listen to that message. But the place of privilege Moses had with God as a friend, that's fantastic. But you and I, man, what a place we have that even blows that away. We have the spirit of God in us. We have been saved and set free, and now we're actually children of the most high God. I'd rather be a child than a friend. <laughs> Bible actually says we're both, but think about that. I mean, there's no person in my life my wife and I, right, we're, we're joined as one in marriage. There's no one in our lives who has a higher place of privilege with us than our kids. We have a lot of friends. A lot of you are our friends, and we love you, but you're not our kids. When our kids come to us, they have our ear, they have our heart, they ask us things, and they move our hearts. There's a special privilege. There is no higher place of privilege, in my opinion, than being a child of someone. And that's what we are to God. Guess what? You have God's ear. You have God's heart. 
and you're to go to him, and you're to pray to him in that intercessory role, and he responds to you as his child. You know, think about how the heart of God is moved when we as his children come to him for other people. Like, my kids come to me on their own behalf all the time. That's just annoying, right? That, I mean, happens all the time. When my kids come to me on behalf of someone else, that's, that moves my heart. That's impressive. When my kids come to me and say, so-and-so, literally, so-and-so, they don't have much food at school. Can we, can we pack something extra for them? Do we have a few dollars to help so-and-so out? We're doing this fundraiser at school, and there's kids over here that need help. I mean, when my kids come to me in that sort of selfless way, and they, I dare say they leverage their position as my children to help someone else, I'm all about that. I am all, you know where I get that instinct from? From God. God, he's the ultimate father's heart. So think about the way you move God's heart when you approach him as a child on behalf of someone else. Well, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. And he responds. Here's the second thing is I have to have God's heart for people. We have to, have, we have to understand our position. We have to ha- have God's heart for people. I dare say that maybe some of us don't intercede and pray enough for people because maybe we just don't like and love people all that much all the time. It sounds awful, but this is an honest, safe place. <laughs> Maybe some of us just need to ask for God's heart. God, I need your heart for these people. Because how on earth are we going to be motivated to pray for people when we, when we don't even have a genuine love for them in our hearts? Right? We, you, we have to love people, church. And I, it's not our natural instinct to go around just loving everybody. I think we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we ask God, God, give me your heart. Because when I have a heart for people, then it's so much easier that I start praying for them, that I start interceding for them. See, I believe the one thing, I believe something that really set Moses apart in God's eyes, listen, it wasn't his raw talent, right? He wasn't the greatest speaker. Uh, It wasn't his long-temperedness. He lost his temper quite a bit. He wasn't even really, really, like, immediately that obedient. He argued with God, right? So, I think what drew God to Moses is this. He had a heart for the people. Obviously, when you get the opportunity to to wipe them away and make a nation of yourself and you say, no, God, I think you have a heart for the people. And I think that's what God saw in Moses. I think that's what God wants us to have is that kind of heart for people. Right? Because if we're honest, man, if God came to us and said that, be like, yeah, that's a great plan. Wipe them out and make me a nation. I am 100% in. Where's our heart for people? Um, therefore, uh, Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? For all men, kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires who? All men. Who is it? And women, too, Right? all men and women, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So who is your heart for? Because the heart of God is for all people. It's great that we as a church have a heart for the church. God also wants us to have a heart for everyone else. Maybe even more so for those that aren't God's people. Because that's who God's heart is for. That's what the Bible says, right? So at least some of our prayer life has to be dedicated to praying for others, to make intercessions for other people. They need our prayers. You know what that means? That means even the unlovable, you guys. That means even the people 
where our first instinct is not to love and pray. It means even, it means even legislators in New York who want to kill babies. It means even them. It means even people that want to destroy the social fabric of family, right, the things we stand for as a church. It means we even have to love and pray for them. It doesn't mean we have to accept what they do. It doesn't mean we have to, to let evil thrive in our society. But do you know what they need? They need prayer. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Who's praying for them? It's great to get up in arms about it. Listen, I value babies. I don't want abortion to be happening. But these people, can, listen, these people are lost. Do you see that? They don't know what they're doing. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but they don't know. The very people that crucified Jesus, he did not, he, on that cross, he did not pray God judge them, did he? They were the very ones that killed him. He said, God, what, forgive them? Why? Because they don't even know what they're doing. I think that is a very relevant prayer in our nation today. God, forgive, because we don't even know what we're doing. We really don't. If we knew better, guys, if, 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 if these people knew better, then they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. They don't. How are they going to know better? They need Jesus. They need us to pray and intercede and go to God on their behalf. We have to have a heart for people. We have to have a heart for people. And that, that bleeds into my next point, which is number three. We have to approach this as a ministry. Okay, this, my ministry and your ministry is to intercede for people and go to God on their behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of, what is that word? Reconciliation. A bringing together of things that were separated. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That, can I just tell you, that is the heart's cry of the Christian. Be reconciled to God. That is, that is our heart's cry. When we see people that are separated from God the Father, that don't know what they're doing, that are lost in darkness, my prayer is not judge them, God. My prayer is, oh, please be reconciled to God. Please see what Jesus did for you. Because I read that I have a ministry of reconciliation, that the word of reconciliation was given to me by Christ. Please hear me. We don't stand for evil. We stand for righteousness, Right? But our ministry is not segregation and isolation and judgment and separation. What is it? It's, a rec it's bringing people to... Don't drive a wedge, a, a wedge between God and people. People need to be brought to God. They need the gospel. They need to know what Jesus did. We've been given the word of reconciliation to bring to them. What is that word? Oh, you were separated from God, but let me tell you what Jesus did. And guess what? You can have a relationship with him now. That's right. And it all starts from there. My ministry is reconciliation. Can I just speak a word? Listen, I know there's so many things going on. I know there's so many things you get fired up about. Trust me, I get it. Don't forsake your ministry of reconciliation, though. Hear what I'm saying? Because, can I, can I be honest with you? Evil, evil will be judged, okay? I don't need to pray for God to judge evil. 
He's going to do it. Like, I know some of you go, you look at David and you go, David's praying judgment on his enemies. That's fine. I don't even know if it's bad to pray judgment on your enemies. I just think it's unnecessary. God is going to judge evil, period. I don't need to, like, seek him and say, God, judge the evil. No, evil's already under judgment. You know what I need to pray for? God, save them. Show them mercy. God, cause repentance. God, draw all people unto you. If my heart for people is judgment, I, I need to check my heart. Anybody with me? Yeah. Because we were once lost, from what I recall, and now we're found. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit to touch people, to show them the work of Christ and to reconcile them to God. God will judge evil. He has ways to do that without us. We partner with God. We pray for that reconciliation. It's your ministry, okay? Number four is this. We have to be willing to pray bold, bold prayers. Think about the nature of what Moses actually prayed. He asked God to relent from destroying an entire nation of people. I mean, we're talking millions of people. What kind of prayer is that? It's a bold one. It's audacious, right? What's more mind-blowing is God goes, okay, (laughs) all right. According to your word, I won't do it, Moses. He says, pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. And God says, yeah, I will. Man, that's bold. You know, I think by this point in his journey with God, Moses understood more about who he was and the place he had with God to intercede. And I was speculating a little bit, because listen, the Bible is written, and we have all these stories, and things played out a certain way, but, but these, these guys in the Bible, they're still imperfect people, right? They're not perfect, with the exception of one. Moses was not a perfect man, far from it. He was used mightily by God. But I was speculating as I went back to, to the beginning, to Exodus chapter 7, and I saw this. And just, just bear with me for a minute, because I want to just throw a thought out to you, okay? The Lord tells Moses, listen, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh, okay? And you're going you're gonna to ask him to let the people go, and he's going to say no, and his heart's going to be hardened, and I'm going to judge him, and with a mighty hand, I'm going to free Israel from Egypt. The thought just crossed my mind. If Moses understood fully the heart of God and the place he had, is it even possible he might have prayed, no, God, don't do that. Don't destroy Pharaoh. Why don't you soften Pharaoh's heart? Why don't you get glory by softening the heart of Pharaoh and letting him release the people of Israel freely? Why judge? Why judge? Listen, I know Pharaoh's not the greatest guy, but I just read that God's heart is that all people are saved. So, Maybe that was a miss by Moses, maybe not. I'm just speculating. I don't understand all the, all the theology about the sovereignty of God and all that, but I do know this, that it couldn't have been a bad thing to go, God, would you, would you show mercy to Pharaoh? Would you soften Pharaoh's heart? How much more glory would God get if the people of Israel were freely let go by an, a nation of Egypt that actually turned their hearts to God than by having to judge and with a, with a mighty hand free them? It's, I think it's a fair question. You guys might think I'm crazy, and that's okay, But the point is still this. I'm saying, what if Moses had prayed that? Well, how many what-ifs are we leaving on the table because of prayers we're not praying? That's all I'm trying to say. How many what-ifs are there where because we're not praying for things, things may never happen? Because I'm not interceding for somebody, something may never happen in that person's life. It's a scary thought to think that so many things could depend on our prayers, but I believe it's the reality. I believe it's why it's so important that God's calling us to pray.
pray bold prayers. How many bold prayers have you stopped praying because they just seem silly or they just seem too big? for? How many people have you given up praying for? How many people do we see every day that aren't saved that we just stop praying for? Because, God, they're not going to get saved. Like, they don't, they hate you. There's no way. Oh, God, that relationship is never going to be restored, and we give up. Take back and reclaim the prayers that you've given up on because people need your prayer. Who's praying for them? We need to be the ones. And we need to pray bold prayers. Nobody, listen, God's arm is pretty long. There's nobody outside the reach of of God's presence. But we need to pray bold prayers. And I would encourage you, if you stopped praying, maybe personally in your life for people, can you just take that pencil out, take a piece of paper out, and write down a list of people you know you need to start praying for? You could do it now, you could do it later, but think of the prayers that you've forsaken and put them, put them back on your prayer list. Look, I've got this, it's not the best visual because in the back it just looks like I'm holding up a piece of paper, but I've got a huge list of notes here. This is my, this is my prayer list that I add to all the time, and I keep this with me when I pray, because I don't even remember all the stuff. To, you know, it's funny when people say, I don't know, like, who or what to pray for. If you start thinking about it and making a list, you'll find that there's more things to pray for than you know. I mean, there's literally millions of people that could use your prayer. Make a list. It's a real practical. And when you go before God, pray. Pray bold prayers. You know, you know what I have on my list? I have prayer for revival for the state of California. That's crazy. That's a dumb prayer. It's audacious. For our presidents and leaders and our legislators to be godly? (laughs) Really? But is that too big for God? Like, can God not do that? Put it on your list. Pray, 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 pray. Watch what God does. Number five. I don't know know if all of you have a five and six on your outline. Are any of you missing five and six on your outlines? Or do you all have it? Okay, cool. Last service, some were missing it, but... I told them it was just because we're personalizing the notes now and they didn't need those two last points. And, and the rest of the people did. Um, number five, appeal to the character and word of God. We see Moses do this, right? He says, God, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants. Remember to whom you swore by your own self. And you said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of, I give to you and they shall inherit it forever. He's speaking out to God who God is and what God has said. And it's not because God has a bad memory. It's because it builds faith. We speak it out, the things that God's already, you know, there's things God's promised some of you and you're still praying and believing and speak out the stuff he's promised to you in faith. (laughs) You know, I'm being a dad, a very imperfect dad, but I will tell you this, that when my kids corner me with, but dad, you said, there's nothing I can do. Like some of you know what I'm talking about. Dad, you said, and if it's something I really said, guess what? I'm not going to go back on my word. Well, God's a perfect father, and his word is binding, and he will not go back on his word, and his word doesn't return void is what the Bible says. And if God's spoken things to you, you can go to, you know, you know what God wants to hear? Dad, you said. He wants that from us. You said. I know you want to destroy Israel, but you said we would inherit this land, and it would go to our descendants. And you said you're long-suffering and merciful. You said. So tell God what he said when you pray in faith. The last point, number six, is this. 
We have to believe, church, that our prayer will make a difference. If we don't believe that, well, what does James say? He says, if you're going to ask without faith, just don't even ask. If you're going to pray without faith, just don't even pray. It's better not to. We have to have faith. You have to believe deep in your soul that your prayers actually make a difference. If you don't, then what are you, just saying empty words? There has to be a faith, faith-backed prayer. You have to believe it will make a difference. I mean, these, it's, it's clear as day to me in these scriptures that I, that I read. When, when the Bible says that Moses pleaded with God, so the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do. I mean, how do you not put that together that God's responding to the cry of Moses? How do you not put it together that the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word? Like, he doesn't even say according to my mercy or according to my grace. He says according to your word. What is that? See, does that make God fickle? No, that makes God faithful, very faithful to the prayers of his people. I believe that in God's sovereign plan, he accounts for what will happen if we pray and what will happen if we don't pray. And I think there's things we need to be praying for in order to see them happen. And, I, and this sounds scary, but I dare say there's things that will not happen if we do not pray. So we take it seriously, and we believe that our prayer actually makes a difference. I love what Pastor Rick says. He says, without him, without God, we cannot, and without us, he will not, right? I think that's so good, how, the, how our prayers move the heart of God. And this is the partnership that happens when we take our role in our place of privilege and we intercede for things. Amen. You guys with me? Second Chronicles 7, 14. We're going to close. Many of you know this. In fact, why don't you read it with me? Can we do that? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Some of us have abandoned our posts as intercessors this morning. We've abandoned our posts. We've been called to this position and this place, and we've forsaken it. And I hope it's a reminder this morning that God wants us to step into this gap, to be intercessors for people. And this, this is kind of what the Lord put on my heart as we close, close today. Listen, our nation, our nation needs prayer, right? Anyone, anyone see that? It's pretty obvious. I mean, there's some wacky things going on. Our nation needs prayer. We as a church, as a people of God, have this privileged place with God as a go-between. We can forsake that or we can step into it. And we can believe our prayers can make a difference. Right, because I see two options. One option is we kind of go, well, America's going to hell in a handbasket. I guess that's just what God wants to do. Or one option is, no, God we plead with you for this nation, for grace and for mercy and for repentance. And we're not just going to sit around and watch you judge a nation because our heart is to pray that people are reconciled to you. I mean, that's the heart I want to have. I hope that's the heart you guys want to have. And I was really, it was really impressed upon me as, as I prepared for this that we, we need, you guys, we need to be praying, of course, for people in our personal lives and our families and our communities. But this nation, I know we say it all the time because it's true all the time, this nation needs a revival. 
It needs, the Holy Spirit needs to fall upon this land. And people that are, that are doing absolutely crazy things need to have their eyes wide open to go, Jesus, I need you. That's what we need. That's what we need. So I pray that you will partner with me in that. Listen, we have all kinds of opportunities, by the way, to do that. We have prayer meetings during the week. We have mid- midweek groups on Wednesdays. We have a monthly Sunday night gathering where we get together, and a lot of what we do is intercede. And you don't even need to be with other people to do it, but would you, would you here, raise your hand if you would at least say, I'll make a commitment with you to make intercession a part of my life. Anybody? Okay, that's a lot of people. So let's commit to it. Let's, let's get our prayer list, and every day, even the days we don't feel like it, even the days after some stupid legislation is passed and we go, we want to kill all these people or whatever you think in your heart, even on those days, what if we got on our knees and just prayed for mercy and for repentance and for, for eyes to be opened and for people to see the love of Christ through us? Lord, we commit to this as a people. We commit to this as your church. We lift our voices and we cry out to you this morning in prayer because, God, we live in a land that needs you. We live in a nation that needs a touch from God and an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And together now as a church, we, we intercede. We step up and take our place and we pray. We pray for our families, God, and our communities and our cities, for Orange County, for the state of California. God, you know and you see everything. And Lord, we certainly know the evil that's happening. We know that, that judgment might even be warranted, God. It might even be the right thing to do, but our hearts cry is mercy and grace, forgiveness and repentance over this land. God, that eyes and hearts would turn toward you, that people would be drawn to God through the Holy Spirit. They would see the work of Jesus Christ and they'd be saved. And we would see a turning around, God, in this nation towards you. Lord, give us a heart for people. Give us a heart for the ministry that you've called us to. We pray. I want to take a moment with every head bowed this morning. I just want to give opportunity if there's any of you here. You know, maybe some of you are actually here because people have just been praying for you. <laughs> maybe some of you have been the ones that people have been interceding for. I know many of us here have that testimony, right? Many of us were the ones being prayed for <laughs> for a long time. And maybe that's some of you here this morning and you're here for a reason. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to give you opportunity. If you don't know Christ, if you, if, I'm, if you haven't experienced this reconciliation or this place of privilege I'm talking about to be a child of God, I want you to know this morning it's available to you and that Jesus actually already did all the work. And all you have to do is respond in faith. Put your faith in him and say, God, I trust you with my eternal destiny. I trust in the power of what you did on the cross to forgive me of all my sins and to make me a child of God. If you want to do that this morning, Again, with every head bowed, I'm not going to embarrass you, but can I just ask you to look up at me and maybe slip up your hand just so I can see you because I just want to pray with you. So if that's something you want this morning, that's what you want, amen. Anyone else? I'm looking around the room. If I don't see you, just slip up your hand. Amen. Anyone else? Looking over here to my right. Is that what you guys want? Yeah? Anybody else? Is that what you want? God bless you. goodness of God it's, it's, it's pursuing you anybody else God bless you amen we'll pray for that we're going to say a prayer church with these 
as you say this prayer, those of you that looked up at me or slipped up your hand, God's going to hear you. He's going to respond to you. And you're going to become a child of God because his spirit's actually going to dwell on you. That's what the Bible says. So can we all pray this together? Church, say, dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to earth and died for my sins and rose again. And Jesus, I put my faith in you and I thank you for the work you've done to reconcile me to God. Forgive me of all my sins and help me to follow you from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. I want to invite the ushers to come down and we're going to receive communion in a second. Listen, if you, if you did that for the first time, if you prayed that, um, I'm going to be down here after service. If you want to come talk to me, I'm happy to give you a Bible and pray with you and get you started on that journey. Okay, I'm, I'm so excited for you guys. Why don't we continue in worship this morning uh, as the ushers are, are coming down to receive offering. Father, we thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from you. And we thank you that we are a blessed people. And so we give back in worship. God, we give back to, to honor you and to further your kingdom. So would you bless every gift, every giver. Use this now for your kingdom's sake, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>